All right, thank y'all for tuning in Just BS and Podcast. Um, today we got um a guest who was on my other podcast, Surviving Portsmouth. And it's only right that I give the right intro to this person. All right, so all right, today we got a top five guard from Norcom. Arguably an all Norcom team. All Portsmouth team, all London Notes team, London Notes GOAT, new oats, old oats. Don't matter, he's still the GOAT. Today we got D. Carlos Anderson up here today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Number of facts you just said, my brother. <laughs> all right, so last time I had you up here, man, we, we started something that went... They kind of took the 757 over, man. When you was on Surviving Portsmouth, we talked about that GOAT talk. And we started something that went through the 757. People named it a top five all-neighborhood all team, all-high school team, all-AAU team. Whatever you want to make a debate about, it went from basketball to football to fighting to baseball, the hide-and-go-seat or whatever. Did y'all ever resolve that? Uh, I mean, it was kind of resolved a little bit. Uh, me and George was actually talking about uh, going live on Saturday, so hopefully, it comes true. It was a lot of it was a lot of back and forth, a lot of people with opinions, and it was all great. Normally, everybody had kind of the same list, a few different names switched up, but everybody list was kind of uh, the same. And there's another. So be on the lookout. Me and George could possibly be going live on Saturday to debate because um, Mel had made a post saying that him and Fish are the top two guards to come out of Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. So we need we we definitely need to have a discussion about that um, because if you speak you're speaking about goats in Portsmouth. And if you don't bring up these three guys that laid the foundation for a lot of people to play basketball, like I said once before, you have to say Bernie, you have to say Doe, and I don't care what nobody's opinion is, you have to say Ben Finney. You have to say mm-hmm. those three names, man. Everybody else, the other two spots, it could be opinionated. I think Darius Steers is the best point guard for Norfolk. Mm-hmm. But the, the the last two spots can be kind of anybody, but those four guys, but particularly those three, mm-hmm. you have to say their name in any type of goat discussion. And it's crazy that you said that because the three that you just said are from Norcom. Yeah, Ben came from Churchland and then came to Norcom, but when Ben got to Norcom, that's where it got started. And Ben, then, if people don't know. Ben is the older brother of Dorian Dodo Finney and the best friend of Vernon. Yep. So that that tells you tells you about what Norcom brings. All right, since we on there, let's let's go to the beginning, man. Like for the people who don't know you and the people who only heard stories about Portsmouth from me, how would you describe Portsmouth and growing up there? Okay. Growing up in Portsmouth, you know, you had different hoods. You had London Notes, J-Dub before it got uh, closed down. You had Howell Pop. You had Swanson. You had Lincoln. 
during those times, you know, Portsmouth was actually funny. Everybody was looking forward to being outside all night, people fighting, people mm-hmm. playing basketball, playing football on the hills, how to go seek, like you said, going out other neighborhoods, chilling with their friends. And, you know, growing up in Portsmouth was a good thing, but it also was kind of bad things that happened in Portsmouth too. Like for instance, I don't know too many guys from my neighborhood that had fathers in their lives. I could probably name one. I know Coach Cradle with all his sons. Um, and that's about it. And I seen it out of my friends. I never seen anybody dad. So we kind of clicked together. We kind of looked at the drug dealers, the people that was robbing. We wanted to be like those guys. Yeah. And yeah. what they was doing was cool to us. You know, you, you might see a shootout. You might be on the court chilling and one of the uh, the older guys come on the court, what you tell you to hold some weed because the police coming or something like that. Like I, I witnessed that. That was some stuff that we see. It was kind of normal. We, we, we normalized that. That was just something that we see. And we thought it was normal for us, but it actually it wasn't. Mm. So, you know, growing up in Portsmouth was kind of, it, it had its ups and downs, but I mean, it kind of makes us who we are, you know, kind of tough-minded, resilient, um, goal-oriented people that want more for life because they've been at the bottom. All right, so with growing up, seeing the things that went down, did you always know that you was gonna be a school teacher? No, um, like I, um, I know, no, nowhere near. Because if people that know me, they know I laugh and joke and play all the time. Mm-hmm. So me coming into teaching was kind of something that show everybody that I do have a serious and professional side. But through basketball, man, it created so many relationships that. That helped me get to this point because majority of all the teachers, all the principals, when we was playing basketball, shaking hands, taking pictures, being polite, going to church, all that came full circle right back to me because on my interview board, it was a whole bunch of teachers that taught me downtown in the the administration buildings as principals that we got them their first ring and they were just looking to help me out. Long as I had the paperwork, and all them other things that came along with it, trying to be the teacher, it was gonna make sure that I got that job. Yeah. So what what was you doing before you started teaching? Before I was started teaching, you know, I was working at the rec. I was with Parks and Rec for about seven years. So you know, majority of all the kids that came through the neighborhood, I had them when they was probably about six or seven years old, and majority of them right now are probably like sixteen or seventeen years old, about to graduate high school. Mm. That's like one of the biggest things. Like when you go to college, you come back, you work at Parts and Rec. How was it transitioning from Parts and Rec into the educational field? Um, it was easy. It was real easy for me because you know kids cling to me and they they just love it. The kids can feel if you in it or not. If you just doing it for money, Parts and Rec Parts and Rec is not the job you do for money. You just do it for the enjoyment and. Just being around kids, making them smile, making them laugh, teaching them things, and you know, just giving them that that figure that they probably won't have at home. You know, those interactions, they remember those things. Mm. It's a different type of atmosphere. One, you more of having fun with them. Not saying you can't have fun in education, but you know what parts and rec, you playing, you going on trips, you doing games, you do arts and craft. Now you're in a setting where you're sitting down, 
you're teaching them. Was, was it easy transitioning to the teacher role now? No, I'm not even gonna lie. That was probably the most nervous I ever been. Mm -hmm. Because you know, you don't know how the day gonna go. It's like some kids, you know, I started off in kindergarten. As soon as I got out of parts of rec, they threw me right in the kindergarten class. Mm -hmm. And I was nervous. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I was just trying to do the best that I can because I wanted to make my best impression the first day, letting them know I mean business. Yes, I can laugh and joke with them, but when we in here, we mean business and we're gonna take care of the things that we need to take care of. So it was definitely nerve wracking my first official day, but it kind of felt comfortable with me because majority of all the kids that was in my kindergarten class, their parents, we went to high school together or we know somebody that, you know, you know how small poor some of this, Mm -hmm. It's just, it made it, it made it an easier transition. You know, you know, the parents of the child. So it was a, it was nervous, but I, I think I was prepared through the seven years with Parson Rector. That's crazy because like when I started, I started off in high school. So the kids that I knew was my nephew age, but I knew them being from hanging out different neighborhoods. They was the... They was the ones that was in that eight to 13 year old age group in Parts and Rec. So when they seen me in Wilson, it was like, what's up, Mr. Mike? Or what's up, Fat Me? And I'm like, all right, yo, you can't call me Fat Me. Call me Mr. Mike. You ain't got to call me Mr. Hines. The discipline that I had to do with them was different because like I could talk to them more regularly. You know what I'm saying? I could have more of a dope conversation with them. With kids, it's totally different because, you know, in Parts and Rec is... All right, well, you need to go sit down for five minutes. You can't, you can't do this. Now you in kindergarten, like how was the disciplinary there? You definitely had to be disciplined and strict with them. You had to let them know that you mean business. I actually had the opportunity and the privilege to work with one of the best kindergarten teachers in Portsmouth. Um, so shout out to Ms. Bisner. She just taught me the ropes. She didn't really have to raise her voice. She didn't have to do anything like that. She just gave the kids the eye, the eye that your mama give you when you mm -hmm. know you're about to do something wrong. Mm -hmm. She used to give them that eye and they would just stop what they're doing. But one day she did raise her voice and it scared me. I was being quiet when she did that, mm -hmm. but she just taught me things that I can do without raising my voice or get upset, just, you know, just teaching me kind of the ropes of how a teacher is supposed to, you know, do their thing every day. All right, what, what school you at? I'm at Lakeview Elementary. Lakeview, my old stomping grounds, man. I wanna know, is it, I wanna know, is it still some teachers or staff members from when I was there that's still there? I Mr. Know. Smith there. Mr. Smith. Nah, I don't know no Mr. Smith. The, uh, the PE teacher? Nah, see, when I was there, we had a lady named Miss um, Miss H, but I think she probably was gone by then because she was like, yeah, she was gone by then. But, all right, so you say you taught kindergarten, and that's crazy because on Facebook a minute ago, they was talking about 
who was your first male teacher? And with me, my first male teacher was into sixth grade, Mr. Harden. Rest in peace, Mr. Harden. But I remember, I think I want to say his name was Mr. Brown, if I'm not mistaken. He was like a third grade teacher, but that wasn't my teacher. You, on the other hand, you're there from kindergarten. Like, think about it. How many, how many kindergarten male teachers are there? So you being there as soon as they in the school kindergarten and going up with them. Do you do you still keep in contact with any of the kids? Yes, man. I, I definitely have a, a strong relationship with all of them, honestly. Um, you know, like a few of their birthdays are in the summer. Um, I actually went to a few birthday parties this summer with some of the kids. Uh, yeah, I, I stay in constant contact with them, making sure um, they're doing well. You know, since they've been on Zoom, I just go in the third grade classroom, put, they put let me put my face on the camera, say, what, say what's up to them, making sure they're good. Um, we did Dr. Seuss week. Um, when was it? A couple of weeks ago. Probably like a month or two ago, not a couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. And I just logged on and every kid eyes lit up, um, you know, in the chat box, they, kids telling me they miss me. And I'm saying, man, I'm just so glad you guys doing well and things like that. It just, it just made me feel good. Like, I just couldn't believe that I had that much of a influence on their life. And they always remember me for that. So, yeah, it's kind of dope. You mentioned Zoom. And we, we know that we've been in a pandemic because of the coronavirus. What was it like transitioning into virtual learning once that pandemic hit at school year? Uh, it was difficult because, you know, at first, you know, we got out in March. They telling us that it's a coronavirus coming. You know, nobody really knowing what coronavirus is. So it's like we have a meeting with the principal. She's letting us know that this virus is coming. And we're going to be out for a few days because they're trying to get everything in motion as far as like the educational packets and the computers and the laptops for kids. So, boom, after the meeting was over at two o'clock, the governor said we was going to be out for two weeks. So now that 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 plan that she had for us, it was all out the window then. Mm -hmm. And we kind of been we was like in an uproar. Everybody. Oh, OK, OK, we're going to be out two weeks. OK, we're going to see you all in two weeks. So after the two weeks passed, they said school was done for the rest of the year. So now the principal let us know that um, reach out to the kids or the parents to the children in your classroom and let, asking them, do they have a computer so we continue with school? So uh, probably out of my 20 some kids that I had last year, probably about six of them responded back. So, okay, I, I let her, I let the principal know how many computers we got. By the time we got the computers, it was June. Mm -hmm. So now the school year is over. So now they missed that big chunk of school. And to make matters worse, they passed everybody. Mm -hmm. Even if you was failing at that point, you still passed. So now it's kind of gave the kids a disservice. So now they're going into third grade, which is a tested grade, and which where they are still taking the SOL test for data. It's not gonna count against the school, but they are still taking the SOL test. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult. You know, we was in trainings every other day, trying to get everybody acclimated to Zoom and Schoology, how do you post things? 
for your assignments, how to create tests, performance matters. It was just a whole bunch of things. You know, I worked with a majority of older women, mm -hmm. 60 plus. So now it's like, if they don't get it, they come and ask you, how you do this, da, 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 how you do this, this, that, and the third. And I got to assist them with it too. So it was difficult for all of us. Very challenging. Uh, majority of the elementary uh, teachers, younger or older, was like a mix? Uh, older. Everybody's older. Um, That's crazy because down here, most of the older teachers teach like that middle school, high school. The fresh um, teachers that's out of college, they the ones that teach elementary. But we 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 kind of had that same problem with the with the um computers and laptops, but it wasn't that significant. Once they said that, they started pumping them laptops. Then um coming up to this year, then they did another re reimbursement of laptops, hot spots, and everything. So what like what was the plan this year? Like, were, were y'all more prepared this year going into it? Yeah, we was definitely prepared. Um, like I was saying, it was more trainings. If you didn't understand, they're doing uh, seminar trainings and everything else, kind of preparing everybody for it. Uh, like I said, the laptops was dispersed to everybody. Everybody got laptops and hotspots. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this it was way more prepared. So, you know, when that happened, it was kind of a little bit of difficulty in the beginning. Well, people not knowing how to log on Zoom, they gave parents uh, training as well with the Zoom in the Schoology and how to post assignments and things like that. But in the beginning, probably the first nine weeks, it was kind of difficult for all the parents to post on Zoom. I mean, not Zoom, but Schoology. But once they got the kinks out, everything kind of ran smoother. I couldn't imagine being in a Zoom class teaching the Zoom class because when my son started kindergarten this year, we tried to let him be on his own a little bit, but from a, you know what I'm saying, from a distance. And I could ju just hear like his classmates, how you got a moon background? I want a moon background. How you do this? Why you do that? Or oh, I go in there like, I think my wife went in there one time and like he had a full Spider-Man costume on mass and everything so like so how is it controlling the kids uh it's not it's not very hard mm -hmm. it can get challenging sometimes because i'm a teacher that if you're not doing exactly what i say or you disturbing the class you know it's a thing on zoom where you can put the kids in a breakout room and you can put them in the breakout room then you can talk to them okay you know the rules and procedures that we follow in this class. Even if we're on Zoom, you're going to follow direction. If you're not going to do that, you're going to sit in the breakout room for two to three minutes to get your mind together. Mm -hmm. Get yourself together, and then I'll bring you back in class. So if that doesn't work, then I contact the parent. Okay. To let them know that this what he's doing. He's not paying attention. And can you please talk to him? So it's kind of you have to have an open line of communication with the parents because if you don't, it's not even going to work at all. And, and like you said, the, the parents is our age. Like, you know what I'm saying? And you you may have relationships with some of the parents already previous. So is that like a, a, a strength for you? That's definitely a strength because like, I, like, you, like we both said, 
all the parents, the majority of our age, we probably went to school with the parents. Mm -hmm. So it's more easier to talk to them. But um, it's a few other parents that's kind of older. You know, a lot of kids now, some stay with their grandmother, some stay with their aunt, some stay with their dad or things like that. So, you know, you got you to gotta be lenient with certain things, but you have to, your conversation has, it has to be open line of communication for it all to come together and work so they can kind of make it better. Mm -hmm. So, so with this, this past year in the pandemic, like, can you see a difference in the socializing skills from being in class versus um, virtual? Uh, no, it's just, um, you know, we're back. Portsmouth is actually back in school. We started on Monday. So it's like the kids couldn't wait to see their classmates. There are this interactions, but we had to, you know, it's rules and procedures with that now. You know, the kids can't get out their seat. They can't share anything. Um, they can talk, but they just can't get up and share anything. They can't go to somebody else's seat because, you know, you don't want anything to, you know, you never know what a person been at. So it's more, it's kind of the same. Like they just couldn't wait to, a lot of them been stooped in the house all day and they just want to play with other kids. But I had to constantly let them know that they can't do that. We got to stay six feet apart. You got to have your mask on and things like that. Of course, we love that interaction being in person with the kids, but do you prefer in person over virtual? Yeah, definitely. Um, I would rather do in person because you actually can touch them. If they don't understand things, you can actually see where they're making their mistakes at, and you can kind of correct it. Then instead of on virtual, you know, in my class, after I teach a lesson, I always ask people, do you understand? Everybody saying, yes, we understand because they know they're <laughs> about to be that free. But in class, if you don't understand, I put a problem. Either way, I still put problems on there, but it's kind of see in virtual, you really can't see exactly what some know because some may be getting their assistance. But in class, you have to you have to do something. You in person with your teacher, that means you have to show exactly what you know. So yeah, I'd rather do it in person. You a parent. What was your what was your thoughts when the virus hit and they stopped school and when they started back school? Uh, it was, it was like Callie was just kind of used to going to school. She had a routine going on. So when we let her know that she's not going to be going to school anymore due to the pandemic, she was kind of upset because she wanted to finish the rest of her year out. Um, trying to get her adjusted with being on that computer because she's in first grade now. So it's kind of hard to keep her attention span on the teacher's lesson. So it was, that was definitely challenging because, you know, a lot of kids, once the parent or someone leaves the room, they doing something else. They watch the TV. They playing with something else. So you got to constantly be on her, making sure that she's doing what she's supposed to be doing and paying attention to the teacher. With y'all doing virtual, did y'all have any um, hiccups or anything or people joining y'all class who don't supposed to be there? No, nah, I, I, I ain't had any of those hiccups. Um, 
the only thing that you would see in virtual, you know, the people downtown, uh, head of the math departments, assistant principal, the principal, uh, you know, special guests, they want to pop in and see exactly what you're doing. Are you following protocol with the uh, lesson plans and things like that? Um, the only the people that you send the Zoom links to, um, they the ones that have access to it. So nah, nobody else tried to join before. All right, tell me five of your strengths. Uh, one of my biggest strengths is being, you know, approachable. I'm approachable. Mm -hmm. That's one. Uh, if I have a question, I'm not afraid to, you know, ask so I can do better. Um, I engage in uh, lessons. Okay. I'm on time. I'm dependable. All right. So, so what's your... Uh... Your, your weaknesses? I can say that I can be more organized, way more organized. I'm organized, but I can be more organized. Um, I could prepare better for the next day instead of kind of trying to not rush, but hurry up and get things done. Um, I'm a definitely a procrastinator. I need to get that out of the way. I'm a, I'm a de they, those three, I'm a procrastinator. I always think I got time to do something. Man, actionality, I need to get it done. So yeah, those three. I think those three are the most ones that I need to work on. All right, so you, you have this nonprofit uh, community outreach, big homies. What, what's, what's some updates, man? What, what we got going on? All right, so uh, we have another, we had a basketball camp April, last Saturday. Okay. I don't know, what, what was last Saturday, April 12th? Was it the 12th? Nah, the the ninth. Okay, yeah. All right, so we had a basketball camp April 9th. That was a success. Uh, shout out to everybody out there for coming through, bringing their kids, donating water, chips, Gatorades, chicken. Uh, we partnered up with uh, Portsmouth Parks and Rec. Okay. And it was, the, the camp was a success. And we also have another camp on May 8th. So... If you're listening and you want your kid to uh, sign up for the camp, make sure you go on Pots and Rec uh, website and search the camp. Um, it's from ages 9 to 12 um, and 12 to 17, I believe. So, yeah, yeah, that's the next thing we're coming out. Uh, I'm actually waiting for to see that I get this teacher grant because um, I'm going to be doing other things with that. I'm going to create the uh, – the Barney Stevenson Scholarship Fund for uh, athletes at Norcom or students students and athletes at Norcom uh, to pay tribute to him and continue his legacy. Um, I'm also going to be donating to other nonprofits like us, um, the Big Homies, Wild Things, Green Hope Foundation, uh, my bro Dodo, the, uh, the Family First ones, um, to our parent liaison at our school at Lakeview, donating to her so she can get uh, her programs going as well. So, yeah, that's what we had going on right now. All right, man. One thing I want to do is salute all y'all publicly because y'all doing big things in Portsmouth, man. Like, growing up, we didn't have these many outreach programs, man. You might have that one person from the neighborhood that look out for everybody, that one coach that look out for everybody, but we never had like programs and clinics and um, camps that I can remember of that actually touched the youth. 
So, man, I just want to give a big shout out to all y'all. Where can, where can they find you at for if they want to reach out to you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, the Carlos Anderson, Instagram, do it for Barney Zero, Twitter, do it for Barney Zero as well. I just want to give a shout out to everybody out there that's doing positive things for the youth. Um, another shout out to my bro Gene. That's a, that's the next person you need to get on the show. Gene. Um, shout out to Juicy or her boys eat. Uh, Miss Alice and everybody else that's, you know, trying to make a difference in this community one step at a time. All right, man. I just want to say thank you again, man, for coming up here, man. And thank y'all for tuning in to Just BSing.